0: Hi, folks. Dean Crisp in the studio here, Straight Talk on Leadership. I'm so excited to have John Lau with us on the podcast. We're going to be joined by Kelly too. We're going to be talking to John. He's the chief of Titusville, Florida Police Department. Great guy, has a lot to say about leadership. Uh, one of my great friends, and I've just enjoyed working with him, a proponent of leadership, supports it, has classes all the time in his agency. And so I really think he's going to add value to your, to your life. So what I say is always set back, turn up the volume. You're ready to change your life. Hi, I'm Dean Chris. Welcome to Straight Talk on Leadership. This is what we'd like to say is the no BS zone, where we give you leadership tips, ideas, and practical suggestions to help you become a top leadership performer. Our goal is simple, help you become the best version of yourself and reach your highest potential as a leader. So sit back, turn up the volume, and you're ready to change your life. Hey folks, Dean Chris joined in the studio this week by John Lau, Chief of Police of Titusville. Also got Kelly Corvin in the studio With us, We're going to have a conversation with John Lau, the police chief, Titusville, Florida. But before we get into that, folks, we want to thank you for supporting our podcast. We're getting comments, we get texts, we get emails, we get all these things all throughout the week. We really appreciate you folks letting us know that you're out there listening and we're adding value. You know, that's what we try to do on these podcasts is we try to add value to your life every week and and the relationship or in the relationship with your folks but also as it relates to leadership this is all about leadership i am a personal believer that nothing good happens till leadership shows up and you can always know and you always know when there's great leadership when there's bad leadership you can just see it it's just the way it is so i'm thankful this week to be joined by uh, with kelly kelly thank you again for joining us this week
1: Absolutely, I uh, had the opportunity to meet John in person and spend some time with him a few weeks ago, and it was it was great. For those of you that are not familiar, where Titusville is, it's on the Space Coast in Brevard County, Florida. Um, so it's right there by Cape Canaveral and all that fun stuff going on down there.
0: Yeah, so uh, we're glad that you got a chance to meet John, and uh, we're going to be joined by John in just a moment. But we want to encourage you to look on our website. We're doing some really exciting things on our website. That's LHLN.org. We're doing some things there about uh, our classes, what we're offering, some of the things we're visiting, just just some really good stuff out there. We also got the Accelerated Leader. If you're interested in taking a course online, Uh, it's got great reviews, had a lot of folks who have let us know that has really helped them. And so we got a lot of things that we add and a lot of things that we can help you with. So, You know, without further ado, let's get started straight into the program. John, my goodness, my friend, so
2: glad to be with you. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Dean.
0: Yeah, man. So tell us, tell our audience a little bit about you. Instead of me trying to tell your story, you know, tell me a little bit about you.
2: Um, I've been in law enforcement for, this is my 30th year. Um, This is the only law enforcement agency I ever worked uh, at and uh, originally born and raised in Long Island, New York. Uh, Went to school, got my associates up there and then moved down to Florida and um, uh, owned and operated my own business for a brief time. Really wasn't like law enforcement wasn't from from birth on. Um, But a lot of my my uh, friends growing up were in law enforcement and uh, I, uh, I I got into it in 1991 and and here I am. (laughs) <laughs> I hear you man. so John, so what's not in the public bio? Tell me something about
0: yourself that uh is not in the public bio what what makes John Lau tick
2: um uh strong ethics my parents did a uh you know hindsight at the time i I didn't really know or appreciate what it was, but they did a great job um taught me uh values had them from from as little as, as early as I can remember on up. And that has leaked into my work ethic uh interesting when I owned and operated my own business uh when I got into law enforcement it's it's gonna sound funny, but I actually did my job here like it was my own business like and and um i I thought that was an interesting um uh, kind of a a component to i truly thought that as I did my job as I as I handled calls and, and uh, for service, it was as if I was the owner operator, and I think that actually is a, a sneaky way uh, I, I try to tell people treat it like this is your own and um, so that, that's pretty much it I'm, I'm kind of boring on the uh, on the uh, other side I love at, uh sports I love getting together and, and watching a game. I used to like going to places. Now I like staying home, watching it on the big screen with some friends around me, uh, I older know, I especially get, with the gun. Yeah. The, the older I get, stuff. the less I go out.
0: Hey, You guys down there are getting pretty uh, hit, pretty heavy here with uh, this week. You know, it, we're taping this in uh, August and uh, 2021. So this is uh, the, the COVID has reared its ugly head again. Uh, on a massive level, uh, you know, what's uh, interesting is I was in Florida last week and you're, you're starting to see signs of people uh, paying attention. Like uh, I was in Palm Beach last week teaching and uh, they're starting to show some of the cut, uh, the the shutdown signs. So what what's going on there in Florida? Is it uh, what, what's your take? Is it is everybody kicking back up or, or what's going on there?
2: It is. I think, um, you know, after the numbers went down, actually Florida's numbers were the best uh in the country at one point. And now this other variant seems to be be building back up again. Um some of our guys have been vaccinated and are, and are getting sick. Um, it's just a matter of I think we have to to cycle through. Right now, Brevard yeah. County is is a hot spot in the state, uh, and Florida is a hot spot in the country, but I believe that means we'll be winding out of it sooner.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you could see it, you know, all those things that's going on that you could definitely see that for sure. So John, let me ask you a question. Did you, uh, it sounds like it's, it's interesting that you said you were from Long Island, New York, and then you make your way to Florida. That is the so typical Florida story. Like a lot of people tell me this is uh, South New York or whatever. When you go up there, you know, a lot, there's, and I noticed in Brevard county, there's a if you're ever in Brevard County, and that's where Cocoa Beach is, and as Kelly said, uh, you know, she gave you her Chamber of Commerce explanation of what that <laughs> was. but if you when you go there, there's this great restaurant there called the uh, uh, a a New York pizza. you you ever eaten there? Uh, I have not. Uh, oh, my goodness, If you like Italian food, you like a lot of food and really made from scratch you ought to go there it's right on the uh it's right down there it's in tourist city in Cocoa Beach you know it's right there near that uh, oh
1: I know
2: exactly where you're at I know exactly I have not eaten there um, yeah. but I, I will um I know yeah, all the it's spots. a good
0: it's a really good place.
2: I know all the spots to get the pizza around here but I have not been there I grew up yeah, in Italian you- section and uh you- so I learned how to cook gravy from my friend's grandma's and uh it, it was uh, quite an experience and today uh, to, to this day i uh, italian is my favorite
0: well first of all when you say gravy you mean marinara sauce <laughs> yeah yeah so down
2: here it's uh maybe it's,
0: uh, down here is biscuits and gravy is bacon gravy <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's I know. funny so,
0: and uh, you know so when he was talking about gravy, he see that's the old Italian thing or gravy is marinara. Yes, to see, there you go. See, uh you know, you know, John, I, I know that you're quite a, a proponent of leadership, and you know, you've been a chief there for a number of years in Titusville. And how tell me how you progressed through the ranks. So describe your rank progression just a little bit so our audience will get an idea of where you're coming from.
2: Sure. Uh uh when I first started out patrolman, I was a patrolman for just under two years where I tried out for a um, detective position and and got that, did that for about three and a half years, went back to the road, um, became an FTO, then was promoted to Sergeant uh, shortly thereafter. I was Sergeant for about eight years, uh, then at the time we had a flattened out structure, and I went from sergeant to commander, and um, from commander to assistant chief, and then to chief.
0: Yeah, and and so you know, how long have you been chief there, John? Tell our audience how long
2: uh, since uh, actually uh, 2012, August of 2012.
0: Yeah, so you've kind of seen, you know, if you've been there since 2012, you've kind of seen the tipping point of leadership or leader, uh, uh, law enforcement leadership, particularly where we've kind of transitioned from, we were transitioning majorly from the good old boy system to more of a structured meritocracy, if you will, right? We're trying to get people to earn their positions, not just because they'd been there a number of years hand the positions we, we were trying to get into the point where people were in these positions because they really wanted to be in them. And one of the reasons why I was because a, a lot of police leaders around the country were realizing the complexities of being a leader were changing. They were getting much more the, the requirements and the complexities of being a leader. were not just, I've just been here 30 years. I really, first of all, got to want to do this. And a conversation I had, uh, this just this week about one of the number one, uh, Things that a leader has to have, like what I call foundational components. And this is where you kind of tie in, and you really have this. And the one of the, the most important foundational components, most people believe that it's credibility or you know, ethics, or da-da-da-da. But really, re, the reality of the most foundational component of leadership is the want to. Yeah. If you don't want to do this, this is going to be really tough on you. And so You're going through that process, you know, where you saw that change right before that. So you've been a chief in uh, some of the most difficult times out there on the planet for law enforcement. So I'm really excited to get your your take on some of these changes, but some of the things that you've adjusted to and seen. But, you know, you've seen quite a lot over the number of years here.
2: Uh, Yeah. And so where we are, as Kelly explained, we're right on the Space Coast opposite the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, Literally, we are on the intercoastal, you go across the Indian River and you see the vehicle assembly building and the launch pads. So uh, the 07, 08 recession, everyone around the country had diminishing budgets, but ours was compounded because the space shuttle program ended. And so you had some very high paying jobs that were no longer. And so we had 35% foreclosure rate uh, in the city and really tough times and so it was that was right when i took over um yeah and we were experiencing furloughs um mm-hmm. and i i realized very quickly we 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 had a staff meeting and staff was recommending we're getting ready to do an award ceremony for our our troops and things were just so bad and, and furloughing eight hours of pay period and and you know officers are leaving us and um, the city had no money, no raises in five years. And they said, chief, we we, we think we need to to just maybe not do it this year. And I, I mulled it over and, you know, kind of almost numb at the time and uh, thought about it. And the next morning, I thought, no, this is exactly when you would have to do the award ceremony in times like this. It might be difficult, but you literally have to tighten your belt and put your big boy pants on and and come out it is difficult it's not easy um it's not easy to face people um in the hallways that are going through gloom and doom but but someone they have to look they have to look and see something that's positive so you, you know we crank on the smile and we we come on guys you know that that job you did yesterday could not have been better and i, I have gotten several emails thank you for what you do and um that's that's basically it it's it's difficult you 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 said it earlier, you have to want to do it. ninety percent of it is showing up, but not just showing up you got to show up with game face on and and with a playbook and um and be ready to to take care of the troops that are taking care of our entire city oh yeah i mean i mean there's no doubt about it. I think the one thing that you
0: said earlier and when we opened up the podcast, you were talking about you you looked at leading like ownership like it was a you know like you own the the position or you own what you were doing and i think that is so important and it's not because and this is where i want our audience to kind of kind of take a step with us here in terms of the one thing we always want to do is add value to you as a listener we want to add value to you as a student when you come to lhln but we want you to kind of take a deep understanding. When we talk about ownership, we're literally talking about the things that come along with being an owner. We're not just talking about you going out there and you taking ownership of something by just saying, yeah, I own it. No, no. When we say that, we mean you 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 created determination or a drive that's unmatched. That's part of ownership, you know? When you take ownership, you don't fail. And I think a lot of people. One of the things that's happening during this pandemic that we're dealing with now with the COVID is, is you're seeing a natural reaction, if you will, psychologically to how people do when they're faced with problems or they're faced with difficulties, like you were. And there, there's there's kind of this three step prospect process where. You either do it yourself, get yourself through it, or you help others get you through it, or you don't get through it. I mean, that's, that's kind of what happens. And a lot of people choose just not getting through it, and they leave, right. and they'll go do something else. Or they choose others to help them get through it, or they just do it themselves. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said. And I don't think people realize I was chief in during that time of the downturn and the recession. I don't think people realize that gas prices were literally going through well not literally they did they went through the roof and our budgets of gas we had bought gas at like a dollar 20 a gallon or dollar 30 a gallon and hell it went to 2.99 or $3.20 uh within 9 months and your budgets you were we were talking about not only furloughing we were talking about people sitting in parking lots and not driving their cars. Do you remember that? Right.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we talked about all of
0: them. Yeah. And, and those were difficult times. Man, so, so go ahead, John. I'm sorry.
2: No, just two-man cars. There were a bunch of strategies that everyone was, was coming up with, and it, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah.
0: And then on the fact that, the problem people don't realize in Florida is there there's no income tax there. Right. And so you guys depend on people owning houses. Correct. You depend on people having property. And if people are foreclosing their own property, then nobody's paying the taxes. Correct. And, uh, and so, you know, that's one of the things that happens is a lot of people go into default because they choose not to do that. So it, It was a really tough time during that period of time. How how do you remember back when you had the award ceremony? How was that? How was that perceived or how was that received?
2: It was received phenomenal. Um, And uh, actually, we we partnered with several pastors in town. We have a a, we have a very robust chaplain program here. And um, and and we get a lot of of ideas. Um, And it was. It was all about hope, faith, um, and and um and and don't don't wallow in where we are, you know, look at where we're going and and what's going on. So we addressed it. We didn't avoid the position we were in. We we spoke of it, but we spoke of it not in the negative, in the positive. And I cannot say enough. That I, I, what I see going on right now, it's there's so much negativity, and that that will attempt to kill leadership, and it'll t- attempt to just put a a damper on everything. And we have got to stay positive. We have got to find those things that we can be motivated and and tell our troops because if you just watch your phones, your your feeds, and the news. I mean, there's no reason to to wake up tomorrow. And and we, we have to say, it's not that, it's not. Look at what's happening. Look at the phenomenal things we're doing.
0: Let's take a short break from the show and we'll be right back.
1: Hey, Straight Talk listeners. This is Kelly Corbin, Director of Business Development here at LHLN. Just wanting to highlight one of our signature courses, Intentional Leadership. Many of you have taken that class, but many of you have not. And I just wanted to let you know that it is two and a half days of action-packed, next-level leadership development. I don't care where you are on your journey. You can be starting out as a supervisor or at the executive level. You will learn the new way to lead in the 21st century from one of the top leadership influencers, Dean Crisp. Learn more about that class, where it's being hosted this year, or request to host a class at www.lhln.org.
0: Well, there's a thing that I'm uh, beginning to teach in the classroom. And one of the things I do try to do is adjust my curriculum to what's important, you know, like what's going on like right now. And I do add keep the foundational things in there, but always adjusting the curriculum is one of the things I'm seeing right now is a paralysis, a psychological paralysis of the cop, where cops are literally psychologically paralyzed from doing their job because they don't feel supported by the agency and they don't feel supported by the community. And then they're really not sure exactly what they want to do. And then what's interesting is is that. It also keeps them from forward thinking or forward looking. So it's it's a very difficult time. Are you seeing that kind of stuff and uh, where you are?
2: Um, a little bit. We have a city that supports our, our department, and I am so thrilled. All of our elected officials, our city manager, um, our citizens, we have so much support. And so what you're seeing nationally is really not here. Um, we're still feeling some of it, the the violent crime Um, you know, drug dealers shooting drug dealers is really what we're dealing with. And and our murder is the only thing that was up. It was up 150% last year. Um, crime was down 28%, but murder was up 150. Um, what we're message we're telling our troops is this is where you have to do more policing. You have to be out there, not doesn't have to be aggressive and nasty policing, but if you're doing the job right then you're fine. And, and, um, we're, we're supporting back in our troops. So, um, you know, we, we are making arrests. We are doing the things we have to be doing. Um, and you just have to do it with a transparency. Yeah. And, and,
0: you know, I think the word transparency gets tossed around a lot in law enforcement today and, and you guys in Florida live this transparent life of copying down there policing down there where you have the sunshine laws everything's wide open you know all that stuff and you guys have adjusted to that much quicker than a lot around the country have when you go up northeast a lot of those folks are very locked down and still working pretty much in you know facts based only and that kind of stuff and you guys kind of got a feel for that but you know we are faced with a lot of challenges right now uh are you guys seeing the retention issues that are problems out there
2: absolutely and the hiring the hiring absolutely our recruiting has changed our retention i uh, just had a meeting yesterday with our city uh, getting ready for negotiations to discuss how we can try to retain um we're, we're getting officers that are just leaving the field leaving the profession you know this is just not what i i really signed up for Um, So our vetting process in the recruiting area has changed drastically, and we are really looking for good hearts that want to do the job and want to make a difference. And we're not just looking for warm bodies. The the days of a graduating academy class, and then you you weed through the ones that don't have jobs and you bring them in for interviews, those days are long gone. They're long
0: gone. Well, John, I know you do some exciting things down there in, in your agency, and you do some things that are pretty cutting edge. And I, I want you to think for a moment and talk about some of those things and kind of just talk about some of the stuff that some of your people are doing down there. That's, that's pretty good. And brag on some of your people, because I know you do that quite a bit. When I'm down there, you're always bragging on folks and talking about how good a job they're doing. So, you know what, tell our people out there in podcast land some of these things that they're
2: doing. Absolutely. So, uh, Tactically, um, we, are, we have such a, an amazing group of trainers that deal with the tactics, um, defensive tactics and firearms and, and, uh, and all of the, the, the stuff to keep us safe. But it's, they are a chief's best friend, and uh, it's an actual dream because we had a, a warrant probably about two years ago, um, very violent uh, person many uh arrests for shootings and 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 attempted homicides um and he was dealing with drugs and we're going into the house and and we have the the warrant and it's a it's a a full it's going to be a dynamic uh entry and there's kids in the house there's dogs cameras i mean it's just a a complete uh disaster in my mind i'm thinking oh boy here we go and uh at the briefing, they pulled me aside and they said, we're going to do something a little different. And uh, what they did is the 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 subject the the um, of the warrant uh, had a business and at three in the morning they broke the window out of the business and uh, he responded for the alarm. They put him in handcuffs, were able to drive him back to his house, go into the house, get the family up safely, bring them out where it wasn't no guns drawn um, just because they had the opportunity to kick a door in. They don't do that. They look for the best way and the safest way. And that's just one example of hundreds of thinking yeah. outside the box. And uh, again, as a leader of a police agency, um, you just, you love when that these are the folks that are out, you know, making those decisions. Um, it, it's, completely outside the box
0: yeah i I like that i mean the fact you know you get him to come down and then you peacefully take him into custody uh he's not expecting it and then when he does get arrested he's not extremely violent he's under control and he gets a chance to think instead of just react and cause a bad situation then his family's safe I, i mean that's a tremendous example of of uh you know, tactically, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I know, it, you know, one of the things done that I really I, I I do love that's happening right now is uh, the NTOA, which is the National Tactical Officers Association group in law enforcement, are they're changing their understanding of how tactics have to be done, too. And everybody understands that you got to be a warrior when you got to be a warrior. We get that. We're not questioning that. What we are questioning is, is that when, if you got an opportunity to be a guardian at the same time, do you take it? And, and there, you know, you, I just, uh, had one of your guys in class. Brian, who talked about the NTOA's new training about people who are suicidal and, uh, they're not wanting, they're wanting to hurt themselves. And they really actually want to, uh, commit police suicide. And uh, he talks about a training, an eight-hour training he went to. Did, he, did you and him have a discussion about that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, can you tell, tell our audience about that? I don't want to – you tell the story there.
2: Well, it, it's, it's just different techniques to, um, to unarm and, and take uh, um, a more proactive measures on folks that are suffering from mental health issues. And, and I'm sure it's around the country, but right now in Florida, oh my goodness we we are dealing with it constantly and then you add in the heroin and the, the cocaine that's laced with fentanyl, um, the synthetic uh, the synthetic drugs. So it has been an epidemic and we have had two in the past probably eight months where they attempted suicide by cop and in both cases we were able to to use the head and to to strategically and safely and tactically disarm these folks without having to um, use lethal. Um, And so this training is is just um, getting into measures like that because they're saying, look, we're going to be killing people left and right if we don't do things differently, because mental health seems to just be going on the rise.
0: And what I found interesting, which was something that, The old line of law enforcement is if you arrive on a scene and a person is threatening to injure themselves, then you feel like you must do something to try to help them. And they, and and your guy was telling me that in this training, they're actually teaching cops to just back off, leave the scene and then uh, just don't encounter the person inside their house there and then try to get them mental health, uh, you know, assistance. Now, this is not I'm not saying this uh, as the general overall policy. What I am saying is, is that cops are pulling back and not forcing the incident or forcing them way into the house to try to help the person. Then the person ends up getting killed or kill someone else. But they're just talking about where the cops say, hey, you know what? No, there's no law. that has been violated. Nothing we can really do. Let's get the mental health folks there and they back off and do all that. I mean, it's amazing. You know, there there used to be where I know when I was policing that uh, there were laws that if a person threatened to injure themselves, you actually took them into custody and put them to a mental health professional. And now you're seeing that change. And I think that's a good thing because cops, the, the old adage of being able to arrest your way out of everything is dead and gone. You right. just cannot do it anymore. And there's right. the, the requirements, the complexities. You know, we talked about that earlier in the podcast, uh, John, about leaders have to want to do it because the complexities they're going to have to learn are not easy and it's going to be challenging there. So, well, t- tell me a couple other things you guys are doing there, uh, you know, and just, you got a well, chief's corner or something, something.
2: going yeah, on there. yeah. Um, it's really getting the message out on what we're doing day to day. Um, uh, we used to be able to rely on putting uh, a news release out and the news would, would, uh, um cover you know a new initiative that we're doing so what we're doing is we have um we have a corner in my office actually quite frankly it's it's that corner right there and we set up we set up uh, uh media services with the city of Titusville they're a great group and they'll come in and sometimes it's just a four minute little uh, video but what we're going to do is we're going to start clarifying and putting it in our words where it's it can be unedited and we're putting it out on youtube we have our own youtube channel with the city and we're getting our message out that message could be traffic complaints one of the biggest complaints we get is traffic complaints speeders uh, we have a causeway that goes out to the space center and it's a very wide very scenic uh causeway so we have a lot of bicycles a lot of joggers and they complain about the speeders. Uh, the number two complaint we have is when we're enforcing speed on the causeway. Uh, why are you doing that? You need to be, you know, in the other areas. So we're able to put out the true message of how many complaints we get on this. We're just answering the citizens and it, it's been overwhelming. It just started. We just started this a month ago and uh, we're already on our fourth episode and we're we're getting so so much positive feedback. I didn't know. A lot of what law enforcement does, as you I know you know, um, is so misunderstood. Complaints are most likely uh, they just didn't understand the law or they didn't understand um, you know what exactly we did and why. So this is an opportunity where we get to explain what we're doing. And so when we get a couple of complaints uh, in the same nature, we, we're, we're going to have a uh, we call it uh, Titus full PD in focus. And we just sit and, and it's not just me. It's uh, we have uh, our defensive tactics instructor teaching. This is why we're doing this. And uh, it's just been overwhelmingly positive. Good stuff hey,
1: Chief. I was just going to jump in. I think that's so awesome, and, and the fact that you're actually explaining to the general public some of the things that are not necessarily presented in full disclosure by the media, um, that you guys have to do every day like the different procedures that you have to go through, either because of state law or federal law. And and just educating that. And I guess the follow up I would have is, are you also possibly I think it would be an excellent opportunity to reach into the high schools and the middle schools if you have that capacity? I know you probably have drug, you know, and school resource officers in those locations, but you have literally generations of people that have graduated high school that have no understanding not only of what local police is supposed to do, but a very distorted view of what they're supposed to do as well as their local governments. So I, I don't know if you are doing that, but I'm just kind of curious where you think this is gonna lead to. Uh,
2: we are, um, so we just put on our, our last school resource officer um, this, this budget year. We just started uh, this past week and we have 12 Uh, school resource officers. Now the city is 48,000 people. Okay. We have 101 sworn officers and we have 12 uh, that are in our schools. Right now our road patrol probably has eight or nine. So we have more people in our schools, more more officers in our schools. So we are very, very big on, and it's not about safety for us. One of the components after the tragedy in Parkland uh, down south, uh legislation in Tallahassee came out and we got to have every school has to have somebody in there and it's all about safety and security and and look there is a component of the school resource officer program is about safety but what they didn't understand and what they missed <clears throat> is the bonding with kids and the breaking down the barriers and we had an incident uh probably back about 15 years ago where one of our two high schools we got a uh, tip from a student to our school resource officer and again 15 years ago that there was going to be an incident we followed up investigators followed up and the night before we recovered about 12 pipe bombs um homemade bulletproof vests and, and an arsenal of guns that these two kids were going to do. It was basically they were calling themselves Co- Columbine 2. And that was nipped because of the relationship with sure. the school resource officer and the student. So we do a traffic stop uh, with both high schools. This is what w- we do a traffic stop. This is why we approach this way. This is what we're, we're doing. It, you know, some, some chiefs might think, why are you tipping <laughs> off on your, um, your, your, uh, strategies and your your tactical uh positions the bottom line is if they if you see a cop on a traffic stop you know where they're doing and it's already out there but what we're, we're explaining they're not offended anymore so they right. know that if they just comply they're hearing it from us just comply with what we're the officer is saying it's a lawful order if you feel like you were done wrong when the stop is over ask for a supervisor and you could file a complaint but a lot of these incidents we see around the country, it first starts with someone who's not complying with a lawful order that has to stop. That has right. to stop. And then all of a sudden it's escalated up. And before you know it, you have an incident. Well,
0: one of the things that you're doing that I that I think is it just goes to the complexities that we talked about earlier of leadership in today's world. And, and I think cops have just and, and particularly police leaders are just now figuring this out, but they, they knew it all along, but it's kind of like just dawning on them right now is your local TV station is not your marketing agency. They are not your marketing agency where they're going to give your best message forward. Now, uh, many years ago, there was a great deal of interaction between the police and the television stations or whatever, or the newspapers, because they knew they needed you as much, but now they really know with the internet that they just sell their story and they got to get it out. And they really don't care what it is as long as they get it out there. So what, what a lot of police leaders have figured out is, is they're not your marketing agency. So they're having to create a way to market their message. I will tell you this, that any police agency that fails to market their message is always going to suffer with community relations, because community relations is going to be in large part based on perception as it relates to the message that gets out. And you cannot wait five hours after a shooting to make a comment. You can't wait two days to get in front of a camera when stuff's going wrong. You've got to jump out there and get your message out with what's going on. It doesn't have to be everything that's going on. It doesn't have to be every fact, but you know what? It's just you have to be your own marketers. And, and the problem is there's not many people across the country that's equipped to be their own marketers. And we're just learning, and I know that's part of the fact. Now, John, you said something earlier that I'd like to go back. You said 90% of leadership showing up, with game face on and a playbook so give me give me expand on that a little bit for me
2: um so I, there's a um i want to be a buffer to the men and women that come out day in and day out to keep our streets safe i don't want them to know of every um difficult meeting i had at city hall or at a town hall meeting um, i want to release enough information so that they know um when we put out a new directive this is the reason we're putting that out um but i want to keep them sheltered from most of that that's that's staff's job to to take the shrapnel um and to crank on the face i don't want them to know it's a tough budget year i don't want them to i want to highlight you know we have phenomenal equipment cars uh the best around i mean honestly the best around our our city manager supports us to have the the top uh training so we're constantly doing that and 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 sheltering um them from day to day and then the other thing uh the word approachable happens a lot you hear it a lot with with leaders you know i'm I'm, he's approachable she's approachable um we are accessible and that's i think the difference if you if there was a secret sauce that titus pd had it was that we're accessible. Uh, I have right in this office, uh, you know, not even off probation. Officers coming in, sitting down and chatting, and and you know, hey, thank you so much for the um, opportunity, and um, that means so much, so much to me. And it, and it's not just the young guys; it's the the fifteen year olds. We're we're uh, I'm walking the halls. I'm stopping out on calls for service. Um, and And I want them to know that we're there for them um you know Friday at at three o'clock. I'm not on the golf course um with the the office closed up you know i I want them to know that um we're working hard, but we're working hard for them and oh, yeah. I, it's just accessibility,
0: well, John, you know we've had a great conversation. I really do appreciate you joining us on the podcast and uh, you know what what do what do you see? And I know you're not, uh, Kelly had a, a great comment she sent to me on the chat on our podcast here and said, you know, what do you see for the future of leaders and law enforcement? And so I'm going to give you the last word and kind of give you a, you know, what, what do you see out there? What, what should leaders be thinking about? And, uh, as we move ahead,
2: um, you gotta be true to yourself. You have to be true to your organization. Um, I, I'm going to try to put this in a, in a. A decent way. It takes courage to don't just give in to political pressures or narratives and to avoid the conflict. Part of what we do, if if your agency isn't doing anything wrong, then do not do not um, you know give in to anything. Uh, support your agency. Support your men and women. And even if it's going to be going up against someone, you have to have the courage to say what really needs to be said, and um, that's where where your troops will start to be respected. And I'm I'm seeing more and more of of people just kind of bailing out on things and going along with with the narrative, and and it's just wrong. I think I think they're doing themselves as well as their agencies and men and women a disservice.
0: Yeah and and you know supporting the troops is not like as easy as it used to be because the community supported troops or the law enforcement as as a rule just because you showed up nowadays in leadership you've got to be out there every day supporting your cops and meeting and talking to them and that, and and you know the, the, it really has changed law enforcement is really went through a period of time where we're all just adjusting to what the future holds. And I think those are very, very wise words. So Kelly, you wanna ask John any questions when we wrap up this podcast, make any comments?
1: No, I think um, just as a civilian, I really appreciate what you're saying. I see on LinkedIn every day, all these very long-term veteran cops um, announcing their retirements. Um, So I hope you can hang in there a little bit longer Pass the torch. And I think that's my biggest concern as a civilian is to just see the brain drain that's occurring, not only in just operational knowledge, but also just psychological knowledge and support for those people that are coming into the profession. So thank you for what you do and appreciate you on the podcast for sure.
2: Absolutely. If I could, uh, Dean, if I could say one other thing. Yeah, please, please, Um, please. We are very pro-training, I said uh, earlier, and one of the things I think we're doing right is we start the leadership training um, on FTOs. They could have three years with the agency and they're they're starting the process on the first level of leadership training. By the time our lieutenants um, are made and given the bars to be lieutenants, they've already been through all levels of leadership. and if I had to critique or, or not even critique more encourage other departments start sooner, because when you're starting at the the lieutenant level, you know, you, you sometimes you're dealing with a 15, 20 year veteran already. And we really need to be starting sooner to to get it. And I will tell you, and, and I'm, I, I mean this wholeheartedly, you personally, and your training that you have done here at the Titusville Police Department has changed the direction for our first line supervision. And quite frankly, some of the earlier classes you taught, they're lieutenants and commanders now, and they still come back to that. And if we had started when they were lieutenant and, and commander, it just, it, we wouldn't be where we are. So uh, I wanna thank you for what you do and what how you get it out there. And it is important. And and I can always, when, when we speak, I always hear the heartfelt that, you care so much about each agency and you want success because you love law enforcement. And I want to thank you for that.
0: Well, John, that I mean, that's pretty nice of you to say, and, and I, <laughs> I do appreciate that. You know, people always say nice stuff about you when you owe money. So I must owe you money, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but, you know, but John, I, I really, I invite people on this podcast that I believe are cutting edge leaders and people who, have been in the fire and who have been through those tough times. And you certainly have seen those things. You've been a chief, you've been a leader there and, and you can see your footprints in that, uh, Titusville police department of where you're at. And, and, and I've seen your people work. I've seen your people deal with people. I've uh, visited there many times and what you say is true and that's why we invited you on the podcast because you're absolute true soldier in this fight that we have against crime, but also you love your community and you literally take ownership of everything you do there in Titusville and they're lucky to have you. And, uh, we're lucky to have you on the podcast and, uh, you've certainly added value to me today and we'll take away your quotes and things that you said. And so John, keep doing it, man, just keep doing it. Keep, we need folks like you out there. And, uh, So we appreciate you. So folks, this has been John Lau, the police chief of Titusville, uh, Florida, one of the uh, great leaders across this country. And we hope you've enjoyed our podcast. Kelly, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Mackenzie, thank you for being a part here listening. And so folks, as we always say, until next time, I'm Dean Crisp. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk on Leadership with Dean Crisp. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast So that you don't miss an episode. You can go to www.lhln.org to find upcoming classes where you can book Dean for his new class. And you can also check out his new book, Essential Leadership Lessons from the Thin Blue Line. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.